0: Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Today, we're in uh, Acts chapter 3. And we're going to be talking about the lame man at the the beautiful gate at the Temple Mount. And uh, man, I really feel like God has opened up my mind as I prepared for this. So uh, I would just say to you, prepare your heart and your mind and, uh, and, and really just kind of your perspective uh, as we get ready to dive in. So let me uh, pray and then we'll jump right in. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you, God, for the Word of God, and how it speaks to us, how it transforms our mind. Lord, how you mold our thinking and our perspective. And so, God, today we, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to change our perspective, to give us new eyes to see the world we live in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we'll just pick up right in verse 1 in Acts 3. Uh, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour the hour of prayer and a man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful in order for him to beg for charitable gifts from those entering the temple grounds so here we go we got we got Peter and John sometimes i refer to them in this passage as the boys and, you know sometimes we think about about the disciples and and I just want to kind of bring your perspective to this. Sometimes we think of them as studious students only, but I think they were friends. I think they were comrades. I think they were buddies. I think they knew one another and relied on one another. And some, so sometimes I'm just reminded of like friends that I've had, friends that I do have, and how we have a camaraderie, and how together we do ministry together. Uh, ministry is never a solo operation, right? We are always ministering together as friends and family, and I think it's sometimes really good for us to draw close to, to another person every now and then, to have a close relationship, to minister together. There's something that God does when we operate in the gifts of the Spirit as the body of Christ. And so if, if you find it a little uh, off-putting that I would refer to them as boys, I'm not, I'm not demeaning them, I'm just saying their relationship, like, when I got a really close friend, I call him my boy. He's my he's my friend. He's my confidant. So the boys were going to the temple uh, for one, one of two two possible reasons: uh, evening sacrifice or to for a, to set forth a strategy to evangelize the Jews and the religious leaders. Now, for me, as we look at this passage, I think what we'll find out is is that I think they were probably going up for evangelism in hopes. But they were going up for the sacrifice as well, and I think it turned into something much more than even they had anticipated. So it would have been at the end of the day, so about 4.30, end of the afternoon, so everybody is heading up to the temple after they've worked all day and labored, right? And, and everybody's making their way up to the temple, and here we are. They, uh, they, they, they enter in or are, are on, in the process of entering into the temple. Uh, so the man was likely being uh, carried to his normal position. So there's a, maybe a, I don't know how big the crowd would have been, but a number of people. And, and you know, he's being carried to his normal location. And, you know, something that's interesting is that, that the, the reason he would always be placed there is it was a religious duty, honestly, to, to be responsible for the widow, the orphan, and the poor or the sick. So that was a religious responsibility. So these are religious people going uh, for the ceremonies of sacrifice, right? And so as he's set here, he knows that, that he will be cared for because it's part of the duty of, of the Jews to care for those, uh, the, as I said, the widow, the orphan, or the sick. Uh, and then verse 3 uh, when uh, he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began asking to receive a charitable gift. Uh, so the location is on the east side. Uh, I'm just reminded as I as I went to uh, Israel that I'm reminded of we were at two places, as a matter of fact. One, this last trip, we walked right in front of the east side, so where, where the gate beautiful would have been. And that's also facing the Mount of Olives, uh, if you're familiar, so, and we we always go to the top of Mount all, the Mount of Olives and and look across, and and there's this valley, and then there's the Temple Mount, and of course the Dome of the Rock, but we won't speak of that right now. But you can see where the temple was, and the vastness, and how large it was, and you can see where where the gates actually have been filled in. I think there's, I recall there was three gates, and the the blocks have been filled in, and and something interesting about this this is this is the gate that that jesus is supposed to return into if you recall and and what they've done is they've they've placed uh uh they've placed all the muslims have placed all these um these bone boxes and and these uh remnants of past generations all in that valley because jesus is supposed to come through there and they 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 believe because they know the jewish law that uh you will be ceremonially unclean if you were to touch, touch a dead person. So what they're trying to do is, is blockade ultimately the return of Jesus. So just a side note, I know that's not in this passage, but I was just reminded of that as we look on to the Temple Mount that, uh, that Jesus will return and he will take his rightful place in the temple. So just a side note there, a little rabbit trail. Uh, the location was east. Okay, verse 4, But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. Let me just repeat that because I think this right here, this is where the Lord really spoke to me. And I I believe the Lord has a word for you and I today. But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. I find in this passage it's interesting because they went to not just give the lame man a gift, but to give him Dignity. Now, I just want to remind you <clears throat> what happens when maybe you're getting off at that off-ramp on the freeway and we have that, that homeless person on the side of the road holding the sign. You know, for me, my <clears throat> I'll say my natural reaction is, is to try not to make eye contact. Because in our minds and in, in humanity and in our flesh, sometimes we don't want to deal with that kind of thinking. And, and I would imagine this was probably happening to the lame man because he'd been there every day. He was born lame and he knew the, the way that he, of his survival was to rely on the kindness of other people. And so here we are, uh, John and Peter approach him and they say, look at me. I want to see your eyes, and this probably wasn't dignifying, and nor is it dignifying for anybody who does it today to have to stand out there and beg for what for to meet their needs and so I was just reminded that that you know so easily we can dehumanize and I, and this is me included. we can dehumanize people by not seeing them, but I'm reminded that God has made us in His image, and that when we set our eyes on somebody and we dignify them, we value who they are. Something happens in the human spirit. Something comes alive. God has designed us to be in relationship with Him first and second to be in relationship with one another. And I don't know about you, but there's something about the eyes. When I, when I set my eyes into somebody else's eyes, something happens. I, there's a connection. There's a, a value that is given and and that's what I see right here in this passage is that there is value given to the lame man every human deserves that god, that god-given dignity that he that he God has bestowed on each and every person he has designed us to be that way he, is, he has designed us to be a dignified people. We are made in his image, dignity is a gift that god he himself has bestowed. And you and I, we must honor that in one another. The other day, uh, Lily, my daughter, and I, we were going out to get some, uh, some candy for a school project. She was doing a, uh, a cell, you know, a, the makeup of a cell. And so she was getting all these little squishy candies that she would then take needles and push into this foam half-round sphere and display uh, the, the makeup of a cell. And as we walked in, I remember walking in and going past the door and a, a woman yelled out as, as we entered the store. She says, do you, do you have a dollar? And I remember going, thinking, I wish you would have said something before I came in. It, you know, and, it, and we all have, we're all presented with these opportunities to dignify the creation of God. And, and I think the greatest lesson that out of Acts chapter 3, there's you know, the healing is amazing and we'll get into that hopefully if I have enough time. And uh, there's, there's all this other amazing stuff, but the thing that, that I hope today that I leave you with and that I leave this morning with of this study of Acts 3 is, have I given the proper dignity to God's people that He's asked of me? Verse 5, and he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. John and Peter honored the dignity of this man. They extended their hand out and it created this holy moment. I don't. I remember uh, years back um, there was a a young man with a baby stroller a uh, Safeway parking lot and I got out of the car and uh, he asked me he said hey uh, would you mind uh, picking up some Similac uh, for my baby and and I said you know what I'll do it on one condition I, I'm I'm always a conditionary kind of guy I always draw out these conditions and, and when it comes to things like this, I think it's very important for me to do that. But I said on one condition, and he kind of looked at me strangely. You know, he'd probably not heard too many people say that to him. I said that when I come back with the Similac, that you let me pray for you and your child. And his, his eyes lit up. I, I was uh, just recalling that this morning as I was preparing. And, and I think, you know, in this, the, I was giving him dignity that God called him to something greater and that God desired to have a a relationship and cared about his needs. And so I went in and and you know it's been a long time since I've had a a baby and I didn't realize how expensive similac had gotten. <laughs> so I go get this can of similac and I go to the cashier and it was it was quite it was surprisingly expensive. Uh, so, so I thought to myself, I think at that moment, I thought, I am going to get my prayer worth of Similac out of this guy. <laughs> Only kidding. But I went back out there, and uh, my daughter was with me, and I remember we laid hands on this young man and on this child, and we prayed for him. And, and in that undignified moment, God was able to bring a great dignity. And it created a holy moment where God could speak and do something special in this young man's life. Now, I don't know exactly what it was. I don't know what happened, but I know that I was available at the moment and I'm not always. You know, the the one at the dollar store, I totally missed it and we do. But there are moments, there are those holy moments where we're able to draw people to an encounter with God. And I can tell you this 100%, this young man probably will never, ever forget that encounter. Just like the lame man, right? Stand up and walk. He will never forget that encounter with God. Verse 7, "...and grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God." And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as being the very one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for charitable gifts. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now now we see the results of this holy moment. We see what happened, that, that, that Peter and John made themselves available. They made themselves available to give dignity to this man. And through that opportunity, through that humility of them of them giving this man dignity, God was able to do something miraculous. God can use us to do the miraculous. Even today. Even today, that story about a safe way where I prayed for that man, something miraculous occurred in that moment. Now, I didn't see the result of it right then and there. But I could tell you When my daughter and I walked away from that, we were transformed and changed. Do you think Peter and John, after this moment, (laughs) could have been a little transformed and changed? I bet they were lit, right? I bet they were so excited about what just happened and what occurred. And I bet they thought long after that, how did that happen? How did that encounter happen like that? And it happened, I'll just say this, by them making themselves... Available. They made themselves available to be used by God. And can we today, can we follow their example? Can we make ourselves available for those holy moments that God would like to use us for? There's many of them. I bet you can think about it in just a short moment and think of a number of holy moments and encounters that you have had. You know, I I have a ton of. I remember praying for a woman in Fred Myers. Her, She was walking around and her shoulder was, she had it up in and, and a sling and you could tell she was in pain. And I asked her if I could pray for her. And it, I'm going to tell you, it made her day. It brought her great dignity to know that God cared for her. Alright, verse 11. Uh, while he was uh, clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the portico named Solomon's, completely astonished. So, <laughs> So you got to understand, everybody knew this, the lame man. Everybody, He was born this way, the Scripture tells us, and he would be set out there at the gate beautiful, uh, and, and he would receive charitable gifts, right? And so this was not like an unknown thing that nobody knew about. Everybody walked by him, and, and like many of us, uh, probably some even avoided him, right? Uh, and so this was not a, a fluke Thing that nobody knew about, but what it was is that everybody knew and, and I could only imagine let me just come on, they're, they're in this beautiful temple mount, you know, and uh, they're under the portico of Solomon, right? And here they are, this man is now healed, and you could imagine he's jumping for joy, it tells us. Now I could imagine he's clinging to John and Peter. I could imagine that they're celebrating. I could imagine they're clinging to him. In their astonishment. I bet eyes were so so wide open. I bet the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit was so high at that moment. And this is what we're gonna see. We're gonna see that John and Peter now recognize the holy moment that has been created by the Lord to preach the gospel, now to bring the truth, to open the eyes to the blind, to help the ignorant mind understand, to give an amazing teaching. On the gospel. Now now through the celebration and all that's happening, there's a lot of commotion. And now all the commotion has gone from the ceremonies of a sacrifice, a sacrificial ceremony, now out to this man's healing. And the attention now is being drawn on to this lame man who's now jumping around and walking and trying out his brand new legs and feet, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I could just imagine he's probably touching himself, probably jumping around, probably moving him. And other people are probably looking at him. Are you sure? This is amazing, right? So there's this great picture. So we'll pick up in verse 12. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why are you uh, staring at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made him walk? So again, what I see here is Peter, he he gives even the, the, the Jewish people and the religious leaders dignity. If you notice how he addresses them, men of Israel, that's a dignified term. You guys are the leaders, men, friends, partners, countrymen, right? Men of Israel. Why are you amazed? Or why are you staring at us? It's it's not about us. It was about God. God did this. The power of the Holy Spirit is present here. And and the healing power of Jesus Christ is evident in this young man. So what he's beginning to do now is to draw them back and say it wasn't by us, but it was by the power of Jesus Christ. Right? We, We haven't even got to that part yet and we'll get there. But But what he's trying to do is take the attention, it's not us. We were obedient to what God had asked of us. And it all started, if you remember, he said, look at me. He gave the man dignity. And through that moment of dignity, it created a holy moment. It created an availability for Peter and John to be used. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the God of our fathers, so he's he's now reminding them who they are, where they come from, the God that they serve. You know, he he's utilizing and he understands what they know, and so he begins to speak to them and tell them, remember, the God of Jacob, the God of Israel, the the uh, the God of Abraham. Right, that's who we're talking about. Has has glorified his servant. Jesus. So it's through the power of Jesus that this man is healed. The one whom you handed over and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be granted to you. So let's, let's, let's dig. <laughs> this is to me very interesting. Peter, a disciple of Jesus. And John, the beloved, do you remember? John always talks about himself, the one loved by Jesus. These two now are, uh, have come and there's been this great miracle and now they're addressing the men who incited Jesus to death. And they're not just, they're not just throwing stones. They're, they, he's calling them men. He's, he's giving them dignity. Remember the Jesus that you chose to set to death? even though Pilate didn't find him guilty. That's who did this. And he still, these guys went from this place, and I'm, I'm just reminded of Peter. You know, I'm reminded of Peter that, that, that he refused that Jesus would have to die. <laughs> and I think Jesus corrected him very harshly, if you remember. And, and so now you see this change of heart within Peter. You know, he's, he should be mourning the loss of his Messiah, and if he were like any of us, be angry about it. But yet something had transformed him. Something had changed him. Something had changed his heart. He had a true transformation of the understanding of the Messiah, that the Messiah must suffer so that we, you and I, so the disciples, all of the human race, could have right relationship with God the Father. Peter also makes a connection between God and Jesus in this moment. He's tying the two together. And that's the part that the Jewish leaders had a hard time doing. When Jesus claimed that he was God, they, had that, they could not make that connection. And Peter now is saying it's by Jesus that this lame man is healed. So he's making that connection. In verse 15, "...but put to death the prince of life," "...whom God raised from the dead, a, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see now. And the faith which comes through him has given given him this perfect health in the presence of you all." So an interesting point here that that, that he, p- Peter makes is the prince of life. And what he's referring to, the prince of life, is, is the life giving even into Adam, the breath of life that was given into Adam in, this, in, in creation. And whom he raised from the dead. And also the resurrection of Jesus. And, and the dead means that he, Jesus had to be fully human. So he's saying he's fully God and fully man. And this is the part that the Jews could not understand. They could not understand how God would come in the form of man. Uh, and uh, the Prince of Peace, he also reminds them in the sight of this miracle that it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that the lame man was healed, the same power that rose Christ from the, the grave, the spirit that lived in Jesus that, uh, that you handed over to death. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody handed my best friend over to death, I would not be trying to convert them to understand the need they, their need for him. So Peter had an amazing work take place in his heart and mind, and he continues. And as we look at this, he continues to give dignity to all humanity. He does. He's he's giving dignity to those that sent Christ uh, to the cross, ultimately to death. He's giving dignity to the lame man who's probably there every day and, and is easily avoidable. And through this dignity of understanding who God has made us, now Peter and John have an opportunity to minister. Remember in the beginning, I talked about that they were either going for evening sacrifice or evangelism. And I said, but I think they got something much more than they expected. I think, I believe God honored their hearts of dignifying His creation. And when we honor God's heart and his creation, God does something special. And believe, I believe and makes wonderful opportunities for you and I. They weren't there to heal anybody. That was not their goal. They were there to dignify the creation of God. And in the process, the move of God touched the lame man and I believe converted many Jewish people that afternoon. Under the portico of Solomon, the lame man responds in this holy moment of dignity and humility. And John and Peter do, this, do, do the same, understanding that it is Jesus who heals. This is this likely wasn't the first uh, that the man had heard of Jesus. He's been sitting at the gate of the temple day after day for some time, so so he wasn't uh, entirely ignorant of Jesus. There was all this talk of the Messiah. There was the crucifixion, right? And, and now there was the resurrection and the missing body. And, and so I'm sure this wasn't his first encounter with the name Jesus or even the hint or understanding of who he was. But what happened was in that moment, Jesus became real to this man. And for us, many of us you know, in the U.S., and people have, a lot of people have heard the name of Jesus, they don't understand it, they maybe don't get it. maybe they maybe they've never even read the bible but but they understand Jesus or maybe have heard his name. Some haven't, but I think for the most part, a large amount of Americans have they've heard of the church and and unfortunately, there have been a lot of things that have happened that have that have really damaged uh the testimony of the church but uh I tell you this, that if we treat people with dignity, I bet, I don't bet, I guarantee that they will have an encounter with God. When they see you treat them the way that God designed them to be treated, their heart will leap because we've all been wired the same way. We've all been made in the image of God. And when we get honored that being inside us is honored the way that God intended us to be honored, something awakens in us. We see in ourselves things we never thought we knew about ourselves. We see hope. We see a future for our own lives. My word to you today is, can we give the dignity of God to the people of God? Because he's created us in his own image. Verse 17, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers also did. Again, he's not blaming, he's not pointing the finger. He's saying, "Look, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt." Now the focus uh, uh, turns to drawing the attention to the sin uh, committed, uh, to, to the sin committed into an understanding, an opportunity of conversion. So now what he's doing is he's turning it, and he's creating an opportunity. He's making an opportunity for a decision. He's saying, you've seen this, right? You brothers, you acted in ignorance, but here's your opportunity. This was not us. This, This was by the power of Jesus Christ. Now is your moment. You've seen for yourself the power of Christ. You know of his resurrection. Now is a moment for decision. Uh. Peter's wording, once again, just shows a great dignity. Uh, He gives them a path to redemption. That's what he's saying, is now you can make a change, you can make a decision. Verse 18, but the things which God previously announced by the mouths of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer and and, and he has fulfilled in this way. Excuse me. Peter reminds them what the prophets told them. So he begins to speak their language. It's not as if Peter's trying to convince people. He's saying, look at what the prophets said. Look at what we've seen in, in Jesus, the Messiah. Look at the proof of this man being healed right before your very eyes. This is a miraculous sign of God. Now is your opportunity. This is what the Bible has taught us all along. The redemption of God's people. And here he is presenting them with an amazing opportunity. And he's also sharing with them that Jesus would be the suffering. He had to be the suffering Messiah to carry the sins of this world, to carry and to bring the redemption to all mankind, to make a right relationship, as I said. Therefore, verse 9, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you. Now he's giving, now there's that point of decision, now he tells them what to do. He says, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. Through Jesus Christ's suffering, our sins have been wiped away. Through his resurrection, we've been given new birth, right? We've been redeemed, we've been made in right relationships. You know, and I have heard uh for many years from Pastor Steve that when we repent and we turn from our ways and we confess Jesus as Lord, we are now placed in Jesus. And God no longer sees us, but he sees Jesus. And that's, I believe, what Peter's saying. He said, and that he sent Jesus at this appointed time that that and and it's isn't it kind of Interesting that they're at this uh, sacrifice right now that's supposed to cover their sin, and here is Peter and John speaking of Christ, who would redeem mankind forever, and there would be no longer needed a sacrificial system in place to cover sin. But we got we we received the greatest sacrifice ever, the sacrifice of Jesus to carry our sin. Uh, Peter's now calling for a decision. Jesus had uh, clearly gotten their attention through the healing of the lame man and now has given the boys, boys again, <laughs> the guys, a platform in front of most, mo, the most devout Jews and powerful religious leaders of that day, a building on the basis of what was experienced. They now preach the truth with great understanding of the scriptures and open an opportunity for decision. Verse 21, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouths of his holy prophets from ancient times. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up from you a prophet like me from your countrymen. To him you shall listen regarding everything that he says to you. And it shall be that every soul that does not listen to the prophet shall be utterly destroyed. From among the people, so what Peter's doing now is reminding them of what Moses said. Uh, Moses, he was a great shepherd to the people of Israel uh, in the Old Testament. Now what he's saying is that another will come and provide nourishment, protection, healing, provision, as well as be our great advocate to God the Father. If you remember, those are a lot of the things that Moses did. Moses, Moses provided uh, uh, nourishment through uh, the manna as they prayed, right? Moses uh, provided water through the rock, right? And But what, what he is saying, Moses is saying is, there's somebody coming that you must obey. And then, then he gives them that warning, and it shall be that every soul that does not listen to the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Peace, Peter also informs them that, this, uh, that if those who reject Jesus, they, it will harm their relationship with God and that's what the jewish people are all about is having this relationship with god and being in right relationship. And what he's saying is for those of you that don't accept jesus, it's it's going to harm your relationship with god. And and I know the language in the translation is is destroy, but what he's ultimately getting at is that that it will create a separation between you and god that that he has sent jesus to bridge that separation. Where where man could never bridge it. No animal sacrifice could ever atone for the sin of man. A man had to come and die. A God man, Jesus, had to come and die for the sins of man. The only acceptable replacement for the sin of man was a man dying for the sins of all men. And that's who Jesus was. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel. His successors onward have also announced the days. Peter reminded the crowd that the prophets spoke of Jesus' coming. And then finally, verse 25, and then we'll close here. Verse 25 through 26, It is you who are the sons of the prophets of the covenant which God ordained with your father, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of earth shall be blessed. God raised up his servant for you first and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Peter first tells the Jews that they have been given the first invitation to eternal life, and that that invitation would be extended to all the peoples of the earth. But here, what he's saying is, is that invitation is for you first, and that invitation will cover all the peoples of the earth. So, what he's doing is really creating an opportunity to respond to Jesus as Messiah. They're using the, this healing of the lame man really, to give them a platform to speak to the Jews and the Jewish leaders of that time. You know, I've heard it said that a spectacle brings attention. And and in this healing, you can see there's this great spectacle that brought this attention to give Peter and John this great platform to share the gospel. And then finally, he gives them dignity and hope in this message, that this, this is who God had made you from the beginning. This is who you are, and this is His redemptive truth for your life. And so I wanted to leave you uh, with just this point of reflection. Uh, And it's this, it's dignity equals opportunity equals miraculous work. If we see that through this, this passage, we see that common thread of dignity, right? That common thread that created an opportunity for Peter and John to see this man healed by the power of Jesus Christ, right? And then, it ge- and then the miraculous occurred. Now, the guys that were going maybe up to evangelize or to, to speak, they had no idea on the onset they would have such a crowd that they did, and they would have such a reach that they had. And that's what God will do. As, as, as we pre- treat people with dignity, He gives us opportunities. And the miraculous happens, and we can share the gospel in amazing ways. So, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you, God, for encountering us and reminding us that we are a dignified people. That you have called us to things higher than we even understand. That you have designed us for a purpose. That you have a plan for our lives, God. That you have not forgotten us, but we are your special people. By your own design, God, we have been made. And Lord, you love each and every one of us. And Lord, I just pray for that person or people out there that have, that have even forgotten their own identity, that have chosen to be unseen instead of seen. And today I speak to you and I say, God sees you. He has made you. He has formed you in your mother's womb. He's given you an identity and a purpose. And right now, I just release the power of God on your life. I release the presence of the Holy Ghost over you. I release the awakening of who you are, who God has designed you to be in the Spirit of God. So right now, Lord, we thank you for making us a precious people, a royal priesthood. And God, we come under that umbrella, and we say we are yours. In Jesus' name, amen.